Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses, I'm going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 3. I know I read a little bit already a few moments ago, but uh, we'll read verses 1 through 3 as we uh, get started with this message this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin with which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Let's pray together. Lord, we're grateful for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for this new theme for us to think about and live out this year. Lord, there's already things going on around us that are very disturbing, to say the least. And uh, Lord, it's important for us to understand what's going on, but Lord, help us to not get overcome by that and to make sure that we keep our eyes on you. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, help me this morning to clearly articulate uh, the truth of this passage. And I pray, Lord, that as I do, that you would speak to hearts, and I pray, Lord, that all of us would go away from this place uh, changed because of the time in your word, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, so much for an easy-peasy 2021, eh? (laughs) We're not even two weeks into this new year, and already we have seen some pretty troubling stuff. And I was hopeful that this year would be a relief from what we experienced last year. It does look as if there are many more challenges ahead. But this really shouldn't be a total shock, though, to us. Because nowhere in the scriptures do we find a promise that our future here on earth, in this life, would get easier and easier as time goes on. In fact, it says actually the total opposite. It was Jesus who promised in John chapter 16... In verse number 33, and here we're going to hear a promise of Jesus, and all of us are going, oh, this is going to be a good promise, right? Well, the promise that he gives in John 16, 33 is this, in the world ye shall have tribulation. Uh, Jesus, aren't you supposed to be the one giving us hope and peace? Uh, Well, he continues with the thought, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, and I'm glad that he has. But the fact is, we're going to experience tribulations and trials in this life. Paul warned us as well what would happen in the future in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And he said this, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I believe we are in the last days because there are perilous times that are here. Later in that very same chapter in 2 Timothy chapter 3, He continued by saying, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. He didn't say it was going to get better and better and there's going to be a a huge uh, sweep of revival, though that is still possible and I am praying that that would take place. Uh, Really, the idea here is that um, 
It's not going to get better usually, or, or typically it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse and worse. So none of what has happened in the last 12 months in, in politics and in the world should take us by complete surprise. It does help me to remember that my citizenship is not here in this world. Uh, yes, I am a citizen of America, and I'm thankful to be an American. But I'm also a citizen of somewhere far greater than America or any country on this earth. And I am a citizen of heaven through Christ. And uh, I'm thankful for that citizenship, and, and nothing will change that as well. It makes me remember that this world is not my home, and it makes me not get too comfortable here, because if everything was hunky-dory, then I wouldn't have any desire to uh, depart. But I do now. As I look at what's going on, I'm like, Lord, it'd be great to just go ahead and take me home. I don't really want to go today, don't get me wrong, uh, but I am looking forward to the day when uh, I won't have any more of this drama. Well, in Hebrews chapter number 12, uh, in our text here, the Holy Spirit inspired the writer to use a race as an illustration to help us understand the Christian life. I was thinking back to this as I was preparing this. I was thinking back to uh, my experience of running. I'm not an avid runner. You can ask my son, Luke. He is trying to get me to run in the mornings with him, and I've done it in the past, and uh, I'm, I'm hesitating to do it. It's just it's a little too cold for me in the morning right now. And uh, I don't want to get up earlier than I need to, you know. But uh, I was thinking back to the fact is, in, in sixth grade, uh, this is a fun fact about me, I actually joined the cross-country team. Our elementary school had a cross-country team there. Has anybody been in a part of a cross-country team? Okay, yeah, and a few of you, okay. How many of you enjoy running? Raise your hand, okay. You guys are freaks of nature, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I remember in sixth grade, you know, there was a, there was a cross-country team, and uh, a couple of my friends were wanting to be part of it, and I said, you know, I'll, I'll do it. I mean, running, it seems easy enough. I mean, I was a kid, and that's what kids do. Uh, my, my, uh, my son, Mark, will just find him running everywhere. It's like, dude, slow down. <laughs> you don't need to run everywhere. Uh, but, uh, and I was a kid. I was in sixth grade, and, and uh, you know, kids run. That's what they do. And so I showed up for the first practice, and I was just like, well, this is going to be easy. I mean, I'm going to run. I mean, I'm kind of like a born runner. I'm a kid. I'm sixth grade. I do this. Well, but during that first practice, what happened there was everyone started on the playground, and then they exited the playground, and then ran around the perimeter of our elementary school, Linda Verde Elementary School. And uh, it was about a mile or so, maybe a little bit more. And I thought this is going to be easy. And I started off well. I mean, I wasn't necessarily in the front of the pack, but I definitely wasn't in the back of the pack because, you know, I'm not like that. I'm, I'm going to not be the worst on the team at all. But uh, for the first quarter mile, all was well until we exited the campus. And then I was already exhausted and had to stop running. And when I had to stop running, I was like this. <sighs> I thought, you know... I'm, I, I've sprinted often in my other, uh, you know, playing different sports and with the friends and stuff, and I thought I've got this. But after a quarter mile, I was already 
panting and thought I was completely out of breath. And then I had to walk a little bit until I catch my breath. And, and uh, after a bunch of the kids were passing me, I was like, okay, I better start running again. And I had to do this like two or three times. And before long, I wasn't just in the back of the pack. I was the back of the pack. <laughs> and uh, I thought, you know, hey, I had this, but uh, it, it's not as easy as I thought it was. And to this day, running is not necessarily my favorite thing to do um, because in theory it's easy, but in practice it's a whole different story. See, the writer of Hebrews uses a race to illustrate the fact that the Christian life isn't always easy. And it's not going to get easier at times. Another thing that Paul told Timothy in that uh, passage, 2 Timothy chapter 3, was that all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, is that a great advertisement for, for, for living godly in Christ Jesus? Hey, we all need to live godly in Christ Jesus. But if you do, guess what you're going to get? Suffering. It's not necessarily, uh, you know, but wait, there's more. <laughs> uh, it's not exactly the best advertisement. And yet that's the truth. And it's a promise that those who decide to uh, indeed run the Christian life are going to deal with some affliction, some trials, some suffering. So the question remains, what are we to do? And where should we look for help when we go through those difficult times and as we run our race? Or rather, who should we look to during this time? Oh, many in this world, as they go through trials and tribulations, look to everything under the sun to help dull the pain of life. They look to drugs. They look to alcohol. They look to pleasure. They even look to some type of a religion to soothe their conscience they look to busyness. If I just get more busy and do more things, then, then I won't notice all of this. But very few actually look to the one who can truly help. David said in Psalm 141 in verse number 8, as he lamented about the state of affairs in his day, here's what he said. He said, but mine eyes are unto thee, O God, the Lord. In thee is my trust. Leave not my soul destitute. He decided to get his eyes uh, on to the Lord, knowing that it was him that could help. It was him that he was trusting. And so our theme for 2021, as we have mentioned, is looking unto Jesus. So why is looking to Jesus so important? And what can we learn from this passage in Hebrews chapter number 12 to help us finish the race that the Lord has set before us? So let's jump in this morning and Let's first think about, number one, our encouragement in verse number one. We see, first of all, our encouragement in verse number one where he says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. On this past Friday night, my two boys each played in a basketball game in, uh, I believe it was Midwest City. And uh, we got to go and uh, watch them play and cheer them on. And uh, yes, I even yelled at them to do some things during the game, and I don't know if they heard me or not, um, but uh, anyway, it was great to watch them, and it was a fun night, especially Seth's game was uh, really close, came down to the wire, Luke's game, not so much, because uh, Luke's team creamed the other team, and uh, that was fun to watch that too, but... Uh, Anyway, it was just kind of fun to be a fan there and, and, and watch them play. And, and uh, I'm, I would imagine, if I were in their shoes, uh, it would be nice to have people there watching you play. 
uh, as I thought about that, I thought, you know, back last year, and even still to this point, a lot of the professional sports and even many of the uh, college sports uh, after COVID hit had little to no fans in uh, the stands. Uh, they just said, we're going we're gonna to just stop. Well, in the National Hockey League, uh, right when COVID hit, was very close to when the playoffs were going to start. And so what they did is they shipped all the teams that were in the playoffs to two cities. They split all the teams to two cities. Uh, I believe it was Edmonton and Toronto. And uh, both of those cities were basically kind of, well, they, they called it the bubble. And they called it bubble hockey because they put them in the bubble and they were just in the hotel and then the rink. And that was basically the only places they could go. And there was no fans uh, in the arena that they played. They had these nice banners that they put up uh, to cover the seats. And, and uh, for those who've watched sports uh, this in the last several months, you've seen that now. Uh, I think even uh, the Major League Baseball, uh, what they decided to do at first was to try to put uh, virtual fans in the stands. So at some of the camera angles, you would see these digital people there. They weren't real. And uh, it just kind of looked weird. So they said, we're going to skip that. That was kind of a gimmick. Did anybody see that? Okay, you saw that. You know what I'm talking about. It didn't look great. <laughs> so let's just skip that. Um, but, in, but in hockey, uh, they, they were doing this in the playoffs. And, uh, and, and uh, those running the graphics on the Jumbotron had some fun and put up a graphic showing the, uh, the attendance of that particular game. And I think there's a picture of that. Tonight's attendance, zero. Uh, so there was no fans there in the stands watching the, these players play. And uh, I would imagine that was, and, and, and people asked, okay, how, what's it like playing in front of nobody? <laughs> you know, what's, in play, wh what's it like? And they're like, well, it does change the way uh, we play because those, those fans do energize us and, and uh, help us and encourage us. Well, here it says that there is not only a cloud of witnesses, but it also says there is, a, there is so great a cloud of witnesses, the Bible says here in, in chapter 12 and verse number 1. Albert Barnes says uh, in his commentary on this verse, the phrase a cloud of witnesses means many witnesses, or a number so great they seem to be a cloud. Have you ever seen like a swarm of bees or maybe a huge flock of birds flying and it just like, it looks like a black cloud maybe? Uh, that's what he's saying here. There's so many witnesses that are there uh, watching and uh, witnessing what's happening in, in our lives. Uh, we don't know exactly what they're witnessing. Uh, how far, here's Albert Barnes continues in his commentary. He says, how far the spirits of the just who are departed from this world uh, are permitted to behold what is done on the earth, if at all, is not revealed in Scripture. So we don't know if they're uh, watching what's happening in our service right now. They may be. Uh, we don't know what, they, what, what they're able to see, but the Bible does say that they are witnesses. Well, who are these witnesses? Well, uh, it's a reference to, when you see the word wherefore, it's, uh, you kind of got to go back to uh, the previous uh, chapter to find out what's going on there. And, and uh, chapter 11 is a list of men and women who uh, lived by faith, and uh, made some choices by faith. And these are the ones who he's referring to, as well as perhaps many others who have come before them or after them uh, who are in the faith. 
So men like Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, David, Gideon, Samuel, and others, and women like Sarah and Rahab are part of this uh, cloud of witnesses that is uh, basically like fans, encompassed or compassed about us, uh, witnessing what's going on around us. Um, I don't know if you have loved ones who've gone on before who knew the Lord. Uh, I do. My mom. Uh, I've talked about her many times, and uh, she passed away uh, many years ago, and it was 23 years ago, This uh, about nine days ago, it was 23 years ago, and nine days, uh, that my mom uh, went to heaven. I don't know for sure, the Bible doesn't indicate for sure that she's part of this cloud of witnesses, but I sure like to think she is. I sure like to think that she's cheering me on from the grandstands of heaven and saying, go, Eric, go, preach, Eric, preach. Keep living for God, Eric. Don't quit. Keep running your race. Far more important than, uh, hey, get the ball in the hoop. Run faster down the court, Seth, which is what I was saying. Um, And uh, be strong, Shoot the ball, Luke. <laughs> Don't have overpassitis. And uh, anyway, I won't go into all the things I was yelling at them. Uh, not appropriate for church. No, I'm kidding. See, regardless of what, the, what, what they're witnessing, I, I do believe that there is some type of a, a cheering. And, and uh, he, the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, understand there is a crowd, a cloud of witnesses that is witnessing what's going on in your life and, and they're cheering you on. You may think you're alone, but I'm telling you, you're not. There is, as the Bible says, so great a cloud of witnesses that is compassed about you. So let this be an encouragement to you as you run your race. There are people who are there cheering you on and, and I believe it's, of course, the Lord is rooting you on, but then others who've gone on before who understand it a little bit more by and by who are saying, hey, keep going. Don't quit. Keep going. So we see the encouragement. Then, number two, I want us to look at our exhortation. In verse number one, we see because there is a uh, cloud of witnesses around us, and we should be encouraged by that. We are also uh, to receive this exhortation here where he continues with, let us then lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Uh, we need to lay aside some things. And, and here's what the word lay aside means, by the way. It means put away. It means cast off, lay apart, put away. Or, of course, lay aside, which is what uh, the translators put here in the King James. Lay aside. uh, To take it off of you. There's some things that can hinder us in the race. And he mentions a couple of them. And and, uh, we're going to take a moment and go through them here. What are we to remove from our life? What are we to lay aside? First of all, we're to lay aside or remove the weights from our lives. We're to remove the weights. Realize it's the beginning of the year, and a lot of people have done uh, New Year's resolutions. And uh, there is a lot of people this time of year decide that, you know, uh, we're going to try to lose some weight this year. You know, I'm going to go on a special diet. I was talking to my wife, and she's like, okay, well, 
we were at dinner with the Moors last night, and they split their dessert with us, and she was like, okay, well, started on Monday. <laughs> and, uh, and the idea is, you know, we, and, and, and all of us, and I, I know for me, I could stand to, to lose a little bit. I remember uh, it was about a year ago after being here for about a year, um, my, my daughter was looking at my stomach area. She's like, boy, Daddy, you're getting to have a little bit of a pastor belly there. (laughs) What? (laughs) What do you mean, pastor belly? And so that's when I started running with Luke. uh, And uh, I need to pick it back up again. But uh, it's not just talking about losing physical pounds, okay? He's talking about, here's what the word weights mean. It means a mass that would cause bending or bulging by its load. It's such a heavy mass that it, 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 it's just bending you, and, uh, and it's, it's bulging as well. And that is, it's a burden. It's a hindrance. And so there are a lot of Christians who are on, this, uh, on the lane that God has set before them, this race that God set before them, that are carrying a huge burden. What, what weight do you need to shed in 2021 to allow you then to run the race with patience that he has set before us? What are some things that could be weights in our lives? These aren't necessarily sinful things. Things that we allow into our lives that aren't wrong necessarily in and of themselves, but uh, we allow them to weigh us down and hinder us from accomplishing all that God wants us to. What are some things, I just jotted down some that I thought about, uh, the news. Um, a lot of us need to be aware and want to be aware of what's going on, and we absolutely should. Uh, but the news can become a weight where we're just consumed with what's going on, and that's all we think about, that's all we talk about. And as a result, we're, we're knowing all that's going on around the, the world, but we're not knowing what's in here. And we're allowing the news to become a weight. It's dragging us down and it's hindering us. And we're not able then to run the race and accomplish God's will for our life because we're too busy knowing what's going on. Because we want to be informed citizens, of course. And again, I'm not preaching against understanding what's going on because we all need to. In order then, like the men of Issachar did, they had an understanding of the times and then they used that understanding to know what they ought to do. It wasn't so that they could go and just talk about how bad everything is. They were then using that knowledge to run the race. See, they didn't let it become a weight in their life. Now, the news is, is, is good to understand what's happening, but it can easily become a weight in our life. Sports is another thing. I like sports, but the more and I were talking about sports and uh, we are not kindred spirits in the uh, baseball team whatsoever. Uh, we're mortal enemies. Uh, I'm a Cubs fan, and uh, didn't the Cubs win more recently than the Cardinals, or did you guys? Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, it counts. <laughs> um, no longer are they the lovable losers. They're the wonderful winners. Amen. But sports, you know, that can easily drag us down and, and uh, hinder us from accomplishing all, all that God wants us to because we're so busy with the sports and so consumed with what's going on with our team or, or even within a family. 
we mentioned, I mentioned that our boys play, play basketball, and, and the, the team that we're part of uh, does uh, not have any games or anything scheduled on Sundays or Wednesdays, and I am thankful for that on purpose to allow for, churches, for, for church attendance and church involvement. And uh, they've always said, you know, hey, church comes first. And, and uh, that, that's the right attitude and the right. But it can easily become a weight in our life. Social media is another one. Now, I realize that in the last three or four days, social media has become huge, uh, noteworthy news. And uh, a lot of controversy regarding social media. But, uh, but re- regardless of what's all going on with that, Uh, Social media has become a weight in people's lives. They spend a lot of time, and it it drags them down, and they spend more time on Facebook than they do in this book. And uh, that's a a sad day. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be aware of what your friends are doing and all of that, but when we're more aware of that and we're not aware of this because of the time we spend on social media and we don't have time for the Bible... Social media has become a weight in your life, friend. I want to show you a couple slides here uh, with some statistics. This first chart, I don't know if you can see it, but this is daily time spent on social networking or social media. In 2012, people spent an average of 90 minutes, an hour and a half every day on social media. In 2019, seven years later, 153 minutes, so that's almost double. It's uh, 153 minutes is two hours and... Uh, 33 minutes, so two and a half hours. It's an extra hour plus that people are spending on social media every day. And uh, have you read your Bible today? Ooh, no, I haven't. But I found two and a half hours to spend on social media. Friend, do we have a problem in our country or what? Okay, our priorities are wrong, and we've let social media become a weight, and, and uh, you, you extrapolate that over time, and let's go to the next slide here, and let's look at, see, at, at these here. Average time spent in a lifetime, and, uh, and here, here's, here's where it is here. Six years and eight months of our lives are spent on social media. I wonder how much time in our lifetime were we spending walking with God, running the race, doing God's will, serving the Lord, telling others about Christ. Oh, but we found time to be on Instagram. We found time to do all that. At the end of our lives, I think a lot of us are going to have some regret at the judgment seat of Christ. Lord's going to say, you know, hey, I gave you all these years of life and you spent six years and eight months on social media? How many years did you spend serving me? Oh, well, I was kind of busy doing that. Yeah. We need to remove the weights from our life. Uh, News, sports, social media, hobbies, work. A A friend can drag us down. What is it for you? I don't know what it is for you. But maybe you need to ask the Lord what it is. Uh, take some inventory of your life and say, Lord, what weight in my life do you want me to get rid of this year? What kind of weight loss should I experience in 2021? Uh, I am trying to lose some physically, but spiritually there's some that I could stand to lose too. And uh, I want to encourage you to join me in the most important weight loss journey of the year.
the spiritual weight loss journey. So here the writer says, let us lay aside every weight, not just a couple of the weights, but every weight. Let's get rid of them all. Let's lay them all aside. Let's put them off. Let's cast them off. So remove the weights. Secondly, when we're to remove the wickedness. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And we all know what sin is, anything that is against God and against God's law. But we don't know what the word beset means, usually. Or most of us don't. The word beset, by the way, only time this particular Greek word is found in the whole Bible. And uh, that Greek word, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but it, it means this. It means thwarting a racer in every direction. It means like that racer is trying to run, and every time he tries to do something, there's something in his way, something trying to prevent him from running. And that, that's what sin is in our lives as a believer. As we're trying to run the Christian life, if we allow sin in our life, it acts as a thwarter in our life. Several other times in the Bible, we're told to put off some things, lay some things aside when it comes to sin. Ephesians 4.22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful us. Colossians chapter 3, now you also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing you have put off the old man with his deeds. But he says, put off those things, but then put on the new man, which is renewed in uh, knowledge after the image of him that created him. 1 Peter 2.1, wherefore laying aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings. So this morning, uh, it would be helpful for all of us to take an inventory of our life and say, Lord, what weights do I need to lay aside? What weights in my life do I need to remove? And what... What sin, what wickedness in my life do I need to lay aside to help me to effectively run the race that God has for me? To help illustrate this, I've asked our very own Brother Jacob Brandt to come in, and he's going to be the Christian who is running today. So, Brother Jacob, come on in. Here he is. Okay. Jacob is here. He is the Christian runner. And uh, so why don't you go ahead and uh, run around here? Uh, real quick, and uh, pretty easy peasy, eh? He's, uh, he's doing it. He's running the race. All is pretty well right now. Okay, stop right there, my friend. Okay, the idea here is that Jacob is able to run pretty easily. But the problem is Jacob has some weight in his life. And uh, we're going to go ahead and put some weight on him. Go ahead and put that uh, backpack on for me, if you would, please, sir. All right. And you go ahead and face everybody like this. Okay, let's say, you know what? He's got some uh, video subscriptions that he's been paying for, and because he's paying for them, he probably should watch a lot of stuff to make his, you know, money pay for itself and to be a good steward, of course. Well, he's got some, uh, he's got a couple of social media accounts, and well, he's got to keep up with all that's going on with around him.
He's got to watch all of his sporting events because, you know, the Packers and all. <laughs> We're praying for him. And you too, brother. <laughs> okay. We got some more weight here, brother. You've been uh, putting it on, I'm telling you. Been watching the news like crazy. All these theories, all these possibilities. We know it all. I don't think we can even zip it up. That's good. Okay, go ahead and run around. Come on, what's taking you so long, Jacob? Kind of kind of slowing down. Okay, well here, okay, go ahead and stop there. Was that fun? No. Not as fun. <laughs> not as fun. Okay, well, not only does he have all those weights that he's carrying around, but he's also allowed sin to creep into his heart. And I won't go through the litany of sin, but we're going to let Brother Blake represent sin. Okay? Couldn't think of anybody better to represent sin than <laughs> Brother Blake. <laughs> but the Bible says that sin besets us. It thwarts us as we're trying to run a race. And so go ahead and try to run and see what happens here. He's trying to run his race, but, but sin's really trying to prevent him and thwart him. <laughs> oh, it's always there. It's easily besetting you. Okay, you guys can go ahead and come on back. Okay, but here's what happens, though. Go ahead and lay down that weight. Lay it aside. Every weight, okay? And then the sin. Go ahead and sin. You can be seated. Okay. <laughs> Got a new name for the Blake now. <laughs> okay, now go ahead and run around. Uh, way easier, eh? You see, as believers, we kind of just say, well, no one can see my life. God sees. And by the way, there's a cloud of witnesses watching too. And they see us walking around and struggling. We don't have, it's, the, the Christian life, the, the, the race that we're on, it's not an easy one. But a lot of times we make it way harder than it needs to be because of the weight we allow in our life and the sin that we have in our life. Well, Jacob, you can be seated. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So the question for all of us this, this morning is, what weight do you need to shed this morning? And what sin do you need to remove and lay aside so that you can effectively run your race? Three more quick thoughts here as we uh, wrap up this message. So we see our encouragement, our exhortation. Then we see our endurance here in verse number one. It says, let us lay aside every weight, the sin which just so easily beset us. And then it says, and let us run with, what's that next word? With patience. The race that is set before us. We're to run with patience. And the, the word patience really means cheerful or hopeful endurance. It means just keep going and not quitting. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 13, uh, Paul says, But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Don't quit. Uh, keep running with patience, with cheerful endurance. 
2 Timothy 3, Paul said, to this, said this to Timothy. He said, you've, known, you've fully known my doctrine. You've fully known my manner of life, my purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. But you've also known my persecutions and my afflictions, which came into me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. So Paul experienced tremendous affliction and difficulty, and yet he was willing to run with patience, this cheerful endurance. That's why he encourages us in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Keep going. Don't quit. Endure. Uh, Patiently and cheerfully endure. You ready for a baseball trivia question? Who is Clint Courtney? If you're unsure, don't bother requesting the answer from Cooperstown, New York. You see, Clint never came close to making it into the Baseball Hall of Fame. In fact, it's very doubtful that his picture appeared on any bubblegum cards. This guy was not a legend in his own time and not even in his own mind. He was only a memory maker for his family and a few diehard fans who were inspired by his tremendous fortitude. You see, Clint played catcher for the Baltimore Oilers, or Oilers, I can't even say the name, Baltimore, in the 1950s, so I'm definitely not a fan of this team. During his career, he earned the nickname of Scrap Iron, implying that he was hard-weathered and tough. Old scrap broke no records, only bones. He had little power or speed on the base paths. And as for grace and style, he made the easiest play look rather difficult. But armed with mitt and mask, scrap iron never flinched from any challenge. See, batters often missed the ball and caught his shin instead. Their foul tips nipped his elbows. Runners fiercely plowed into him, spikes first, as he defended home plate. Though often doubled over in agony and flattened in a heap of dust, Clint Courtney never quit. Invariably, he'd slowly get up, shake off the dust, and punch the pocket of his mitt once, twice, and nod to his pitcher to throw another one. The game would go on, and Courtney with it, scarred, bruised, clutching clutching his arm in pain, but determined to continue. He, he resembled a POW with tape, splints, braces, and other kinds of paraphernalia that wounded people wear. Some people made fun of him, calling him insane, and others remember him as a true champion. Now look, friend, if Clint Courtney could keep going and endure those type of hardships for a game, how much more important is it for us to cheerfully endure in the Christian life? I realize that there is going to be times where it, it seems like it's easy to just throw in the towel and say, I quit. This, this isn't working for me. I mean, I'm just going to you know, go find a different church that, that, that's nicer. And uh, I'm just going to give up and, and uh, I forget this whole church thing anyway. There are a bunch of hypocrites over there at the church and I'm just sick of it. I, I'm done. I, I quit. Again, if Clint Courtney could get back up, shake off the dust... And go, go for it. I'm ready for another one. Can't we as believers have a little bit of tough skin to stay in the battle, to stay in the fight, to run with patience, to run with cheerful endurance in the Christian life? And so we see our endurance. So what will keep us going then? 
What will help us then to endure in the race set before us? Uh, Fourthly, notice our eyes. Our eyes. In verse number two. As we run our race, what are we to do with our eyes? We are to be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Multiple times in the scriptures, we're instructed to keep our eyes on the Lord. Isaiah 50, 45, 22, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, there's none else. Micah 7, 7, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Psalm 123, 1, unto thee lift I up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that He have mercy upon us. As believers in the New Testament, we're encouraged to look up and look for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So where should our eyes be looking? A lot of us are looking around us. And as you're running your race and you're looking at the person running next to you and you're kind of like, well, they're just going too fast and it's not fair. We look around us and it can be very discouraging. We look around us at what's going on in the world. Very discouraging. We can look at our own lives and what's going on around us in our own lives and our problems can be very discouraging. Think about Peter. Remember when uh, there early in the morning is there on that, uh, that boat and uh, it's dark. All of a sudden they see someone walking toward them and, and, and it's just completely stormy and the waves are boisterous, the Bible says. And here Jesus is walking on water towards this boat. And Peter, everybody's kind of going, who is that? What is that? Peter said, oh, I think it's the Lord. Hey, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come out unto you on the water. So he did. Peter got out of the water and he began to walk towards Jesus on the water. Only two people in history have ever walked on water. Jesus, the Son of God, and Peter. You know what happened? Peter got his eyes off of the Lord and he got his eyes on to what was going on around him, didn't he? He started looking at the waves and going, well, this isn't possible. I mean, these waves are going to destroy me. I'm going to sink. And he began to sink as soon as he got his eyes off of the Lord. You and I are so tempted to do that in our own lives. When we keep our eyes on the Lord, all is well. Even though there's craziness going on around us, we can have a calmness in our heart, but the temptation for all of us is to start looking at the waves, start looking at the problems, say, yeah, but Lord, look how, look how bad this is, and look, how, look what the doctor said, and, and look what's happening in, in Washington, D.C., and, and what's going to happen to my 401K, and... We start looking at all the waves. My friend, our eyes need to be looking unto Jesus. We look around, it can be discouraging. That's why David said in Psalm 25 and verse 15, Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. See, so many of us are so focused on the net and the fact that we're caught in this net. He said, mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, and I know he's going to take care of the situation that I'm in. So keep your eyes on the Lord. Now, sometimes we like to look behind and say, well, way back then, when I was a kid, everything was good. Uh, do you ever notice when you're driving a vehicle, you have a big windshield that looks forward and a little rear view mirror? 
It's not the other way around. Not a huge rearview mirror and a little window to see what's coming up. Now we have a little rearview mirror. It's good to look back and be reminded of what God did yesterday, but it's not meant for us to rest in that. It's meant to propel us to do something for God today. And so I want to encourage us as we go into this year to keep our eyes on the Lord. Isaiah 6 and verse number 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And several weeks ago, we looked at this passage in a little more detail, but the idea was Uzziah was a king who, for lack of better words, made Judah great again. Well, King Uzziah died, and it was a pretty tragic ending. And uh, I can't help but think that Isaiah was kind of bummed and discouraged and down in the dumps because of the change in administration that was taking place. And you know, it's interesting that in that scenario, he saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, and it changed everything for him. I want to encourage us. I realize what's going on around us. I'm aware. I've been watching the news, too. I'm trying not to let it become a weight in my life. But I... I just want to encourage us, look, I know that it's, it's, it's looking bad out there, but let's get our eyes on the Lord. He's still sitting on a throne, and uh, he's still high and lifted up, and he's not worried. He's not wringing his hands, not biting his fingernails going, what's going to happen? Keep our eyes on the Lord. So looking unto Jesus is our theme for 2021. So church family, let's keep our eyes on the Lord this year. Last thought, and then we'll wrap it up here. Number five, our example. Looking unto Jesus. He is our example. He had run the race, and he patiently endured and cheerfully endured. And we see that mentioned here in verse number 2. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So there was some joy in his heart. And of course, he was thinking back to, or thinking past the cross to the fact that one day you and I would be sitting here at Cornerstone Baptist Church on the second Sunday of 2021, uh, knowing that we have a way of salvation because of his uh, cheerful endurance to go through what he went through. There have been many great examples of those who faithfully and patiently ran the race, but the greatest of them all was and is the Lord Jesus Christ. J. Wilbur Chapman wrote these words, One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men. My example is he. He's my example. He finished his course, and he did not quit. 1 Peter 2.21, Even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. He continued to run his race, even though he was misunderstood, even though he was mistreated, even though he was mocked, and even though he was murdered, he continued to run his race. He endured the false accusations. He endured the scourging. He endured the crown of thorns. He endured the Roman spikes, which were driven through each wrist and through each of his feet. He endured the humiliation. He endured the agony. He endured becoming my sin and yours. He endured having the Father turn his back on him. He endured the sacrifice, and he endured all of it for you. Romans 5.8 simply says it this way. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That was the race that he ran, and he ran it patiently. He endured. 
He finished the work that his father sent him to do. John 19.30, right before he gave up the ghost there on the cross, one of the seven sayings of the cross, he said, it is finished. He endured. He finished his race. He was faithful. No wonder we are instructed to look to him. So this year, starting today, let's keep our eyes on the Lord because he he knew what it was like to finish. And I want to encourage you to finish as well. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, you're not a Christian, I would encourage you to look to the Lord Jesus for your salvation. He is the only way of salvation. There is no other way. Look unto me and be saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. So Jesus Christ is the only way of our salvation. Then to my fellow believers, my brothers and sisters in the Lord. This year as we get started with What looks like a new administration in a week and a half taking over at the White House. Let's remember to keep our eyes on the Lord. This year as you personally go through trials and tribulations and difficulties, keep your eyes on the Lord. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this passage and this new theme for this year. Lord, I pray that you would help us to apply these truths to our lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us to heed the exhortation to remove some things from our lives, to remove some weight that we've allowed to build up and accumulate in our life. Just like physically, weight loss is not always easy. It may take some effort. May take some sacrifice to get rid of some things that have been bogging us down and hindering us from running the race that God has called us to run. But help us to do so. And the sin that has been hindering us and thwarting us as we've been trying to run our race, Lord, help us to be willing to lay those things aside as well, knowing that they hurt you and are hurting us as well. Lord, the Christian life doesn't have to be as hard as It is for some because many times we've made it hard on ourselves by having these things in our lives. So help us to lay those things aside. Help us to patiently endure and to uh, not give up, to not quit, to stay in the battle, to keep running, putting one foot in front of the other. Lord, we'll thank you for all that you do in our lives. 